Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, I'm your host, a guest host this week, Andrew Stewart, as uh, your normal hosts are not available for whatever reason. And I'm joined in the uh, studio by Stu Brennan. Hello there. And Cy Bykowski, how are you doing? Very well. All the better for having you, Andrew. Oh, thank you very much. It's so, nice to have a new face. <laughs> a new face, a new voice for the podcast. I don't think I'll be around for too long, but you never know. They might give me a job. <laughs> uh, so we're just going to get straight into it this week. Uh, obviously, it was the uh, derby on Sunday. Uh, what did you make of City's performance against United? Obviously, way below what we've come to expect from City. I kind of felt that the mindset wasn't quite right going into the game. Uh, just little things. The fact that uh, the manager rotated it. He rotated his full-backs, obviously looking ahead to the Real Madrid game next week. Um, Kevin De Bruyne has an injury. I mean, the, the news coming out of his camp is that it, it isn't that bad, but it's a case of wrapping him in cotton wool. That kind of sends a message that, you know, this isn't as important a game as next week. Which it isn't, if you if you look at it from Pep Guardiola's point of view. Some City fans might see it differently. Um, and then, just little things. I mean, it's you can't always take a lot from what Pep says at his press conferences. But at his press conference on the Friday before the game, he was asked about the Manchester derby. And he described it as nice. Now, nice... Is not is probably the last word on the planet you should use to describe a derby. It's the most damning verdict on any derby, and it. it I'm, I'm not saying that that communicated itself to the players, but just adding it all together, it felt like City weren't quite hundred percent there. Having said that, I mean the first twenty minutes, he totally bossed the game. They dominated United, and it looked like it was only gonna gonna go one way. But we've seen that many times against United recently where City have, have a big dominant spell, United weather it and then come back and, and hit them, and that's that's exactly what happened again. City's performance was nice, wasn't it? They nice. Had, they had loads of the ball, um, passed it around a lot, you know, out past United really quite significantly. I think it was like 800 to 300 passes, nearly 80% possession, but there was no absolutely no nastiness to them, absolutely no spark or drive or anything to... Um, to cause United any problems and Edison could not have been nicer to United in terms of letting them score twice, nearly let a third in through sort of just not not concentrating. It felt like they didn't have both of their eyes on the ball, both literally and figuratively. It's interesting you talked about the lack of drive and um, we spoke to Wilkai Gundogan afterwards and he did something that you don't often hear players do uh, post-match and he threw up the fact that Kevin De Bruyne wasn't playing and said how much they missed him now again that that's just a little mm. normally if you ask about a player did you miss a player the stock answer is 
well, no, you know, because we've got a great squad and the players who come in are just as good and so on. But there's Gundogan volunteering the fact that De Bruyne was a big miss in the game, which he obviously was. Um, but again, that just feeds into this idea that that City, you know, if if you pick a if you pick a, a team that's not right for the occasion, you know, if if you pick a pick half a team when you're playing Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, people understand that and the players get it. But when you play Manchester United at Old Trafford in a derby match and you don't go for a full full strength team, yeah, you've got to get the it, right team for that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, and you, you've got to have the players tuned into what you're doing as well. And if the players are thinking, well, the manager's not taking this especially serious. He's, he's looking ahead, so do they mentally do they start looking ahead? And it did feel a little bit like that with you know, with with City on on Sunday. And, and Guardiola was at pains in the press conference to <clears throat> to say that of course they took it seriously and they were going full throttle. And he thought they played really really well. And of course they didn't miss <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Um, but when we kind of said, well, if you played so well, what went wrong? Um, he said, well, Ilkay Gundogan and Bernardo Silva didn't do enough when they got the ball in the final third. So there you are. They didn't miss Kevin De Bruyne, but the two midfielders that were in Kevin De Bruyne's position didn't do enough. Right. So they kind of did, didn't they, really? Yeah, yeah. But it's like Stu says, if you sort of go into this game not taking it as seriously, and I mean, Guardiola's done it before. He did it in 2018 when they won the league and they had the league wrapped up and he prioritised Liverpool in the Champions League and they could have beaten United and they should have done with the chances they had, but they didn't. And again, you're like, if, you, if you're if not 100% focused on it, you can't really complain when you lose. What, what has been quite funny, though, is the fact that, you know, United fans are, are treating it like it's a massive moment. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. I mean, United played well, don't get me wrong. I thought, you know, they definitely improved since since they played it in the Carabao Cup semi-final. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they still look a pretty ordinary side to me. And they won the game through two mistakes. Yeah, and we need to get on to those. I mean, uh, the free kick that led to the uh, the first goal, what do you make of that? Well, it's interesting to see what the players made of it. I mean, uh, we spoke we spoke to Gundogan, who was really annoyed because it was him that the free kick was awarded against. And he clearly didn't touch Bruno Fernandes. He, he ran past him. Whether you know, and Gundogan's not quite fast enough to generate enough wind to blow Fernandez over. I'm pretty sure, but that that seems to be what happened. And Fernandez did a dramatic spin and tumble to the floor. And uh, Gundogan didn't want to accuse him of diving afterwards, but he said that he he fell over shouting, you know, which which is pretty damning. The referee was right there. You know, you could argue that um, Gundogan was on the on the other side of the player, so he couldn't quite see whether there was any contact or not. But Gundogan sort of indicated that he felt the referee thought it might have been a foul, so he gave it, which shouldn't really happen. Um, that was his take, and it obviously is the player involved in it. But Zinchenko was interesting because Zinchenko, when he was asked about it, basically said, well, these things happen in football, you've got to get on with it. And he was more concerned about the way City defended um, the free kick because we had Aguero and Gundogan standing around Anthony Marshall, meant to be keeping an eye on him. Marshall made the made the run and Aguero who's so fast at the other end, you know, he reacts so quickly when it's him that's chasing a ball through. You know, he beats defenders with that with that mental sharpness. He was really slow to react. Um Gundogan isn't quick anyway. And Marshall then then gets a free shot and Edison fluffs it and it, it goes under him and, and that's one nil. So uh 
I mean, it was never a free kick. But having said that, for me, I think Si might disagree with this, but for me, United should have had a penalty uh, when Otamendi clattered into Fred. Um, so, you know, you, you, you can't, people, City fans can't shout too loudly about about the the free kick because perhaps they, they got the, the benefit of a, a poor decision on the, on the penalty. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't disagree, actually. I think it was a penalty, but... All right. um, <laughs> I don't think it was a free kick, but it just doesn't excuse what City did next. And Fernandinho led a wave of City players complaining about the decision and Fernandinho got booked and then none of them did the jobs properly to let United score. And then Rodri's booked immediately as United are celebrating because he's still complaining about the free kick. They just can't afford to do that. It, like Those are the big moments that Guardiola always goes on about in the league, in the Champions League, that define whether you win games, whether you win knockout ties, whether you go through. And to a man, they switched off, which helped give the feeling that, yeah, they weren't fully concentrating and that United wanted it more. Um, And then that period where uh, Otamendi should have given the penalty away was in that kind of 10 minutes after United's first when... City went from completely dominating the game to just being overrun. And we've seen it happen before where like often they concede one and one brings two. And yeah, they did well not to concede a second, but they got a bit of help from the ref to not do that, even if the free kick shouldn't have been. Yeah, and um, looking at a few of the other players on the uh, the pitch yesterday, Edison, he made a, a few mistakes as well, didn't he? Which we've touched on a little bit, but uh, what, did, what did you all make of that? I, I feel with Edison, um, you know, he's he's he's, he was, he's been so good for City since he came, um, principally because of what he does with his feet. You know, he's a, he's a great footballing goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He, he becomes an eleventh outfielder. I think there have been several times where his actual goalkeeping ability has been called into question. Um, there have been others when he's been excellent. You know, he's made important saves. And I think back to Tottenham in the in the Champions League last season when. Uh, he didn't cover himself with glory, um, and in this one again, I mean it's tough being a keeper in this city team because um, keeping your keeping your focus and your concentration when most of the players at the other end of the pitch is sometimes sometimes difficult. Um, but he had to make that save. You know, Marshall Marshall took the shot on the volley. He didn't catch it particularly cleanly, um, and it was very savable. And his, his hand goes over the ball. And it sneaks under him and, and goes into the goal. Um, now, if that had been the only error, you'd just just write it off and say, "Well, it happens." But he then let the ball under his foot in the second half. Very lucky to get away with that one. Marshall almost turned that one, and he just managed to clear it in time. And then, in added time, he—I uh, mean, you can make excuses. It was a slippery ball. The rain had started to heave down by then. He went to throw the ball out, and this is meant to be Edison's big plus his distribution he threw the ball straight to Scott McTominay who knocked it back past him and that's 2-0 I'm not sure the second goal mattered because City weren't looking like they were going to score anyway at that point no well, um, it was so late in the game as well so. he was it was but he kind of put a cap on it and it put a cap on Edison's misery um, I mean Ilkay Gundogan said told us afterwards that um, you know, he was he was angry and frustrated and disappointed with himself. He's beating himself up about it, which which you would expect, really. Um, but he's, now it's about him sort of soaking up the the lesson and coming back stronger. 
And uh, Sai? His worst game since Liverpool a few years ago when he sort of when Salah beat him from 45 yards. I think it was worse than that. I mean, that was, yeah, that was poor. That was a, I think it was similar to the McTominay one, wasn't it? You know, just giving yeah, the ball yeah, to the Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I feel like he was really good the start of the season and made a number of excellent saves that won City games and kept them drawing when they shouldn't have been. And then he got injured at Atalanta and I don't really think he's been quite at the top of his game since. He got sent off at Wolves, didn't he, around Christmas and he just made a few uncharacteristic errors and there has been a bit of sort of his brilliance being normalised because there was still a few times yesterday where he came out and cleared things and you're just like, oh, that's Edison. Um, but yeah, it was his, the worst game he's had in a long, long time. It's tough as a goalkeeper because you make an error and, you know, half the time it leads to a goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Nicholas Otamendi yesterday, you, you couldn't point the finger at him. I mean, he was lucky to get away with a penalty, but you couldn't point the finger at him for, for the goals. But he was quite... Horrendous, you know, and he has, <laughs> he has been just about the entire season. And it, the fact that he is seen as the player, you know, with Laporte injured, he's a player who comes in is is a quite an indictment on on City's squad. Really, uh, we know they didn't replace company in in the summer, um, but John Stones wasn't even in, wasn't even in the squad. We had Eric Garcia on the bench. So, you, I mean, yet again, John Stones' future has got to be called into serious question. If he's not making the bench uh, when they've, they've, they were one central defender down from the summer and then they're, another, they're the best central defender down in Laporte uh, and he's, he's got a teenager ahead of him on the bench, um, John Stones, unless he's, he's got a problem that, that we don't know about. He, um, he had a slight problem, but at this point of the season, yeah, like he's been injured half the season. If you want to be a top defender, mm-hmm. you've got to be fit, and that's half his problem. So it's not, you know, it, it's better to be left out of the squad because you're injured than because you're just not picked. But because mm-hmm. it's happened so often with Stones, it's not. Yeah, it's no longer kind of as mitigating as it could be for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not the it's not the you know it's happened to him several times before this season where he, he has been fully fit. Yeah, and he's 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 not even made the bench. Um, but. Otamendi is a complete liability. Um, and I think it makes it even worse when you've got Otamendi on that side of the defence with Zinchenko alongside him because Zinchenko is not a full-back. Which, you know, when he's called upon to defend, he's not great. I mean, there, there, is, a, um, there is a viewpoint that, that he, he has become a better left-back than Benjamin Mendy in terms of his defending. Um, now I would have agreed with that last year, but I think Mendy's improved. I think Mendy's become a better defender this season, um, and Zinchenko has gone a little bit backwards. I thought he was awful when when he was being run at, and the fact that he, he Zinchenko was doing the inverted th- mid thing by going into midfield and and sort of adding to City's numbers in midfield. Every time he does that, he leaves a massive gap on that left flank, and the only person covering that that gap is Otamendi. Who's the slowest player on, on City's books? I swear, and you know you've got Daniel James um, going down that side. Uh, Wamba Saka uh, got forward as well. He was not the best attacking fullback, but he he looked good at times because you know he was up against two defenders who who don't don't defend very well. Um, so Otamendi was completely exposed, and 
got away with it apart from the fact that he should have conceded that penalty. Right. Um, we're going through a lot of the players. I guess we need to go through sort of the overarching question, the one that's going to set social media ablaze as well. <laughs> and um, hopefully you'll get a bit of uh, feedback, nice feedback maybe, um, to the um, Twitter and Facebook, etc. for this one. Do you think that City are binning off the Premier League this year? Does it seem that way to you? It, go ahead, <laughs> Sam. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it was it was tough because that, that was basically our line of inquiry to Guardiola after the game. And he said, you know, you look at how we ran and how we pressed and how, you know, United couldn't string three passes together. And you tell me that's a team that's not focused. But everything else suggested that they were. I mean, it could well be that it was just a really off day against United, which they've had too many of this season, um, where... They've just not been good enough at creating and they've not been good enough at keeping opposition teams out. But, I mean, Guardiola himself said before the game, he said we've got three really important Premier League games, but the really important games are Newcastle and Real Madrid. And that kind of tells you where where they're at. And the players all know that they can't win the league, so it's pretty natural that they would want to focus on the competitions that they can still win. Um second place isn't really under any threat because the chasing pack aren't good enough to put any pressure on so they're kind of in a no man's land in the Premier League um, and team selections even if the performance didn't suggest that they were binning off the Premier League the team selection pointed towards we've got other priorities here I would say yeah yeah I'd agree with all of that uh, and now I've got to think of something new to say <laughs> Um, He's put you on the spot there, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, as always. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and the problem is, is they've got two more league games between now and, and Real Madrid. Real, Real Madrid's a big one. Everyone knows that. You know, the desire to win the Champions League is huge. Um, and the, the problem is that people kind of think that the, some of the fans have reacted like the job's been done, you know, by winning 2 1 on the Bernabeu, but Real Madrid haven't finished. You know, Real, Real Madrid have got a long, proud tradition in the Champions League and they'll be coming to, to Manchester expecting to win and expecting to overturn it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it's tough. It's tough to, you know, get the players focused on Arsenal on Wednesday night and then on Burnley uh, at the weekend um, when they know, they all know that the big one is, is sort of looming. City have been good at that in the past. You know, they've been good at, uh, at moving the squad around. You know, Pep's put out teams have been good enough to win games. Um, really, when you look at that team, I know we changed the fullbacks and they were without Kevin De Bruyne, but that that should have been a good enough team to beat United. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had a lot of players below par. I mean, Raheem Sterling's got into his shell. Um, we, we don't know what's what's gone on with him uh, since since the new year. Um, Sergio Aguero started really well. He nutmegged Danny Maguire, which which the City fans enjoyed enormously. Um, and he, he sort of bullied Luke Shaw into giving up possession, which created a really good chance for Sterling, which he fluffed. Um, so in, in, individuals have not been performing now. That it's, t- it's not good because those players then have to step it up when Real Madrid comes along. And I, I'm very much the school of thought that you want momentum, you want your players playing well going into a game like that. There's too many players didn't play well against United um, and they've got to and they've got to 
pick it up somehow between between now and that Real Madrid game. Um, and th- to do that, they've got to perform in the league. They've got to go out and play against Arsenal. They've got to go out and play against Burnley and try and win those games and then bounce into the Real Madrid game. If they don't, if they don't beat Arsenal and they, they don't play well against Burnley and, and don't win that one, and we've seen what Burnley can do. Burnley went to Old Trafford and won two 0 not so long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're always the, the, some of the last opposition you want to face before you, before you play Real Madrid. Um, if if they don't if they don't get it right, they'll be going into the the game um, on the back of three ordinary results or three bad results, and I don't think that's that's ideal when you when you're going into a huge game. It, it felt like West Ham and Leicester were quite important for for going to Real Madrid. Yes. Exactly. You know, they had that win after the break and then Leicester was quite an important game in terms of getting them ready. So they kind of need that momentum. But it's, it's, it's like you say, like most of the team that started yesterday were um, were the team you'd expect to start against Real Madrid. But I kind of feel like Walker, Mendy and De Bruyne are almost like the three names you put first on the team sheet for that game. Mm. Yeah. Especially after Sunday because... If you're going to have to play Otamendi, there's no way you can play Zinchenko next to him. Otherwise, Real Madrid will just do what United did, but worse. Um, Walker is undisputedly the number one, and De Bruyne can do things that Gundogan and Bernardo can't. So, three very important misses on Sunday for the game. Yeah, it's a different feel. Yeah, you brought up the fact that they played Leicester and West Ham before the first leg. There wasn't a feel going into those games. West Ham felt like a a must-win game and a game that they would win. Leicester felt like a, a really big game. You know, we, we, yeah. we were billing it as three big games in a week, Leicester away, Real Madrid away, and then the Carabao Cup final. Yeah. And that, that's 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 seems to have been the mindset of the, the City players going in. Um, it doesn't really feel that way. Arsenal and Burnley just feel no. like, like they're in the way. They've got to get yeah. them over and done with kind of thing. But having said that, I don't. Guardiola spoke at Sheffield Wednesday afterwards about how tired they were from games on the road. And I think United was game number five. Maybe that was a bit of fatigue as well yesterday. They've now got Arsenal at home, Burnley at home, Real Madrid at home. So perhaps, you know, from Wednesday they can start building up that, that momentum again for, for Real. But that is what they're building towards because that makes or breaks the season and what's left. I want to have a, a quick chat about the Arsenal game uh, in a minute. But first of all, um, Phil Foden, you've um, both got differing opinions on him, haven't you? Oh, in, in this uh, particular game, I think we've, we've both got the same opinion of him overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll let, I'll let Si give his viewpoint first. because Yeah, uh, I, I want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thought Foden didn't do very much in the first half. And then in the second half, was kind of like what you wanted from City, like a bit of life, a bit of action. Like United had those kind of moments, like Wan-Bissaka sliding in on Sterling, and yeah, it was always going out for a throw, but it got the crowd going. And Sterling just had that bit of spark about him that said, you know what, no one else is doing this. I'm going to try and take this game by the scuff of the neck. And I know, Foden did. Yeah, and no, and no one else. Sterling, mate, sorry. No, I miss I could sort of Sterling out. Yeah, no, but then you said Sterling. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Crucial to the argument, I know. But um, Foden was the only one, and playing in a team of you know experienced players that kind of tried to do something. And I think he was one of 
City's three shots on target, which was a decent effort that De Gea beat away. I still, I would put him at like a six out of ten for the game. Um, but that was, I wouldn't have given anyone more than a six and I would have given a lot of people less than a six. Yep, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I felt that it was, I felt a bit sorry for Foden in the first half because he was obviously asked to do a job which Pep quite often asks his wide players to play, which is hug the touchline mm-hmm. and stretch the United defence. It's pretty tough stretching a five-man defence, to be honest, but that's what he was asked to do. And the idea being that there would then be runners coming from deep and punching holes through. Now, unfortunately for Foden, De Bruyne wasn't there and he's the man who does that brilliantly. You know, you see it time and time again that um, either the full-back or the winger goes wide and that leaves a gap between um, the opposition full-back and, and central defender. And De Bruyne makes those runs in behind and he scores goals from it and he creates goals from it a lot. Um, but no De Bruyne uh, uh, and there was nobody really taking advantage of, of the width that, that Foden was giving. You know, it's a sacrificial role in, in many ways. You know, he wasn't seeing a lot of the ball, but he was he was forcing United to spread spread their back five. Um, it was interesting, actually, because at one point, Cancelo actually joined in and he, he got forward and he made a run right through that gap, the gap that Foden was creating. And I looked at Pep on the touchline and he was he had his hands above his head applauding heartily because that was obviously his thinking, you know, you know, to try and get try and find a gap in the in the United defence. Um but they didn't do it enough. Uh and I, I just felt that Foden's got, got so much talent that you want him on the ball, you want him want him uh creating things, whether it's against Manchester United or or Sheffield Wednesday or whoever it is, you know, that, that should be that should be his role. Um it was great that Guardiola I thought he may come off. It was obvious Mares was gonna come on. Uh, fresh legs and, and give a threat down the right and I thought it'd be a straight swap and it, I thought it was great that, that Guardiola actually took Bernardo off uh, and switched Foden inside um, where he's meant to play um, and I thought Mares then started giving City a threat down the right that Foden hadn't given them mm-hmm. um, and I, I, the fact that he you know he had that shot which, which De Gea did well to tip over uh, and he was looking for the ball and trying to get on the ball. But I just thought that he didn't, you know, he, he gave the ball away quite a lot in that second half. Every time I looked up, uh, I saw Foden getting the ball and then, then uh, misplacing his pass. I'm not quite getting his pass right. Because um, no one else wanted to get on the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got, I've got, I'd give, I'll, I'd give Foden credit for the fact that he, he, he was trying to do something. He was trying to affect the game. He was, tr- he was, he was demanding the ball, which is brilliant to see, you know, because it shows, it shows just how much he has, he has progressed. It just wasn't his day. I mean, and also he, he didn't have the runners. Again, you, you, you know, this is where you miss De Bruyne. Um, you talk about playing with players around you. The players around him weren't playing particularly well, and you can't expect a teenager to, to sort of. Take the game by the scruff of the neck on his own, and 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 go and win it. But uh, so, whereas I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm, I was saying it. I've, I've said that he, he didn't play particularly well, but a lot of it wasn't his fault. And I, I think there were things, there were aspects of his game that were good. And I think that you know that he'll take positives from it going forward. 
So it seems like we've got a few points there which can be uh, debated before the fans on social media. If you want to get involved, the Twitter is at Man City MEN or go onto the uh, Facebook page and just get into the comments on there as well. And then uh, just quickly before the podcast wraps up uh, for this week, uh, the Arsenal game. Uh, what do you make of that? What, what, uh, what do you reckon is going to happen there? Interesting one because, it's of course, it's Mikel Arteta coming back. Um, you know, the... The, the sorcerer's apprentice yeah. against the sorcerer, uh, so that'll be an interesting aspect. You know, Arteta knows City inside out. He's 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 sort of been a big figure um, under Guardiola uh, in terms of shaping this City team. You know, the, the play, so many players give him credit for having improved their game, uh, and now here he is bringing a team back. So he he's, he's got an inside track on the way Guardiola thinks. Uh, he knows the strengths and weaknesses of all the players, so that'll be really interesting. One thing he doesn't know is what kind of team Pep will put out, because mm-hmm. if nobody else can guess it, so I'm not sure why, why Arteta will be out, I guess. Um, and he also doesn't know how Guardiola's, Guardiola's full of surprises in the way he sets up. Uh, you just wonder whether he'll have something, something tucked away for this one, um, something that Arteta wouldn't be aware of. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting tactical battle, um, but again, it comes down to the fact of how much does City need to win this game, and I would suggest not a lot really. What do you reckon, Sai? Yeah, and an Arsenal supporting colleague got in touch on Sunday when United <laughs> were winning to say, uh, "Oh, it's just typical this because they'll be back on it on Wednesday and they'll beat Arsenal." And it was kind of like, well, even if they're not, they'll probably still beat Arsenal because it's what they do because. Arsenal aren't great anywhere near where they used to be and Arteta hasn't really turned the ship around. They're drawing a lot of games. They're not losing, but they're not necessarily winning loads. Um, And City are just used to battering Arsenal every time they play them. They beat them 3-0 in December and it was almost like a non-contest at times. Part of that was Kevin De Bruyne just being Kevin De Bruyne. But um, I think... City make a lot of the fact that they bounce back from defeats and disappointments and you know that's the mark of a good team that always responds so I think we will see an improved City performance and it, I mean it, it was hard to imagine City losing the derby but it's harder to imagine them Mm-hmm. slipping up against Arsenal in midweek. Now, we've got no idea of what the team's going to be as of yet. Um, we're a few days out, but do you want to make a prediction? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. You're not I'm, even going to go there. I think I've got Anderson a long his- might play. <laughs> yeah, I've got a long history of making myself an idiot by trying to predict Pep Guardiola teams, so... That's fair enough, not. fair enough. Um, if you want to make a prediction in the comments, then as we said earlier, it is at Man City MEN on social media. The next game, as we've just talked about, is Arsenal. It's at the Etihad on Wednesday. Thank you very much to uh, Cy and Stu for joining me this week on the Talking City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there. So, um please do leave a like and uh, subscribe and we'll see you next time.